0: Very good afternoon to you all, and thank you for joining the Q3 Career Management Forum. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, I am Gwen, Gwen Wilcox, the CEO of Armstrong Wolf. And for those of you who are not yet too familiar with Armstrong Wolf, we facilitate dialogue amongst all CEOs in capital markets and asset management globally and provide solution development in line with the changing regulatory landscape. And we also have a strong focus on human capital management, and aim to professionalize the CEO role as a career goal, one you would choose as a destination. The community we manage is all-inclusive, and it is totally irrelevant of gender or seniority. So as part of my remit, I also manage the Women in the CEO Community Programme. So these forums promote the role of Chief Operating Officer, especially to female talent, who make excellent meetings, of course, But we have, unfortunately for some, been seen to make alternative career choices and have left the industry during the pandemic. We need to learn from that. So today's discussion is very relevant in the development of your career and in developing your leadership skills as we're focusing focusing our attention on career challenges and how to address them. And as with any challenges come pressure points, setbacks, and sometimes stressful situations So we will discuss how to manage those, leading towards the topic of mental health in the workplace. These past 18 months have been uh, very pressurized, lots of pressure put on everyone, there is no doubt about it. We're building our recovery period and our resilience is how we're looking to recharge, not how to endure. The next evolution the evolution, sorry, for the CEO is amongst many things to embrace the challenge of supporting the return to the workplace, providing empathetic and supportive leadership. We hear a lot about authentic leadership and that's demonstrating clearly what you expect of others and your team in these challenging times. Yes, we will always be hungry for P&Ls and targets. These pressure points won't go away, Right, the opposite probably. Um, as the CEO becomes more commercially focused, this has been one of the big highlights of the pandemic. But communication is likely to be one of the most powerful tools we have moving forward. Communication, I think, will support us in the growing um, career challenges and stresses, as the CEOs are now having to help people in their ecosystems find meaning and realise purpose at work by deploying. New sustainability, ESG, and wellness strategies, but that's also in addition to having a one to three, or perhaps a five year five year view in all aspects from risks, to budgeting, regulation, etc. These decisions take planning, need time in a very fast paced environment, likely require new skill sets that you may or may not have already, and that's really a changing landscape right here. So feeling the pressure is very common in the role of a CEO. i I'm hoping that today you will gain insights into the relationship between our physical health and mental well-being for a successful and fulfilling career. One we aim to get you to be in control of. Like any role, but particularly for a CEO, if you want to be successful, the type of person who will survive and thrive in their career is someone who can apply the knowledge acquired, of course, but also learn from the lessons and uh, and also be someone with an adaptable mindset with structured thinking in a changing landscape. So to this end, I'm very pleased to introduce you to Kate Hutchins, hello Kate. Kate is (coughs) London-based, but um, is also our head of career management practice here. So if you need support with any career um, management advice, please visit to Kate. Um, just a note, though. Katie is not a health coach. This is not what today is about. But if you need support with health-related questions, please ask your employee assistance or your HR teams. I'm also delighted to welcome two speakers today. We have Peter Gibbingson, who is a managing director, head of frontline monitoring for Standard Chartered, and also Gary Simpson. Gary is also managing director, global markets CEO for ICBC, Welcome to you both. So Peter, may I give you the stage please to introduce yourself and provide a bit of background on your career to date and tell us perhaps why you've chosen to speak to us today.
1: Absolutely. So um, Peter Gibbonson, I run the frontline monitoring team um, at Standard Chartered Bank. That's quite a new team. It was established two or three years ago um, to cover some of our method gaps um and a number of monitoring items that we needed to build out in my previous in, incarnation i've been in banking for nearly 30 years now in my previous incarnation i was a trader and a trading manager for uh, circa 25 years as well so i've got a lot of understanding of the front office and front office processes um in terms of why i'm here today so i'm i'm very passionate about um mental health but about breaking the stigmas down i, I think Um, and it still resonates with me that um, in the UK the biggest killer of men under 50 is suicide so I've been um, very much involved with Standard Chartered in terms of breaking those stigmas down um, around how we can communicate better how we can get people to communicate better how we can listen more and how we can just open the dialogues so people feel more comfortable um, and realize that we all have mental health it's on a scale and sometimes some of us struggle with it I have histories myself with some mental health challenges. Um, and so it, it's very personal to me. Um, and I think that's part of, um, you know, when you were talking about being authentic, I think that's part of what's so important now um, in banking uh, and to make sure that you know we do we do think about the soft skills and we do think about um, breaking those stigmas down so people can talk and people can get help when they need it.
2: Thank you, Gwen. Thank you, Peter. And
1: over to you Gary.
2: Yeah. Hi, everybody. My name is Gary Simpson. I'm the CEO for Global Markets at ICBC Standard Bank. Uh, We're a pure play global markets business. We don't have any retail commercial asset management. So we're we're traders and we specialize in emerging markets uh, and commodities. Um, In that role, oversee a team of 16, uh, some product CEOs, regional CEOs, control officers. uh, And we run uh, an e-markets client services business. Um, since 2003, that's about the last uh, 18 years or so, I've typically held CEO roles uh, across a range of global markets products uh, at JP Morgan, Deutsche, and HSBC. Uh, and I started my career back in '93 at Bankers Trust, uh, where I was a treasury manager uh, before moving into roles uh, at some other banks in product control, risk management, um, followed by a spell in consultancy. Um, I've been largely London-based, but I've been lucky enough to spend about a third of my career uh, overseas in Chicago, uh, Singapore, New York. Uh, and one of the reasons I'm, I'm here today is, is to learn and, and hopefully share some of my experiences. I think, um, you know, that, that, that the industry has done well throughout this crisis and there's a lot of good aspects that we'd like to bank. There's also been, you know, a number of challenges and uh, I think it's quite easy to lose sight of the human factor and become a bit more transactional about how we do business. And I think that the timing of the session is opportune as we're seeing quite uh, considerable ramp up in the return to office. And that's bringing a number of challenges and and opportunities, uh, but also areas that I think uh, it's always good to talk and share successes and failures about how we adapt to the new environment.
0: Indeed. Thank you both. Um, So this is a, a live event and we have a chat facility. I know not everyone can actually access the Zoom chat, but for those of you who are able to, I really highly encourage you to use it and ask questions. Ask questions to each other, ask questions to, to, to our coach, and also ask questions to Peter and Gary. That's really, really important. One first question I'd like to ask you all on the chat, for those who can use it, is to give us an idea of what you're doing every day or maybe weekly that reminds you of, um, of taking, taking, taking care of yourself. What do you do every day to um, to look after your own well-being? So personally, I, I make sure I have a lunch break. That's literally sealed in my calendar, I will not move my my any meetings for my lunch break. I need to get out. So this is my trick to keep a little bit more. I keep saying, I suppose, but I'd love for you to put things on the chat to to share what you're doing. So on this
3: basis, please, Kate.
0: Can you please, Kate?
3: Hello, everyone. Um, my name is Kate Hutchins. I'm a career management coach with Armstrong Wolf. Um, my role is really to support clients um with understanding uh their particular skills and really what makes them different um and to understand their goals as they navigate their careers so I think it's worth remembering that um you know careers nowadays are largely um not linear in the way that they used to be um you know, I think the last perhaps 18, 20 months has has, um, demonstrated that um, things can change. Um, We need to be more adaptable than perhaps um, previous generations had to be. Um, The context can shift quite quickly. Um, uh, and so careers are continually evolving some people run portfolio careers they wear different hats at a different time so so it's a slightly different world it's slightly more challenging than, than perhaps it was when people embarked on their careers 20 years ago so career management coaching is there really to provide a framework um, it helps people with goal setting and it's really a safe space to explore who you are your ideas and how these shifting priorities that you encountered during the course of your career might affect you. Um, so, so that's really sort of my role. And, uh, you know, the reason I absolutely love what I do is because every client I work with is different, you know, it has a different story to tell. And actually sharing our stories um, is really powerful. And I learn a lot from my clients. So so that's me. That's That's what I do. Okay, so moving on. Um, Previously, uh, those of you that have attended sessions that we've been running this year um, will know that um, we have explored um, understanding yourself, understanding how you fit in with your organisation, and and really focusing on what you want from your career. understanding your personality your interests and how to how to use that to make the right decisions for you um so it's all about kind of self-awareness building self-awareness so so this session today is slightly different because it's a little bit broader in exploring sort of the mental health aspect of that but obviously that's a that's a really key part of self awareness um, as as Peter said, you know mental health is something we all have in the same way we all have health we 're moving along the continuum at any one time um, so some some interesting stats here thirty um, percent of employees will at some point in their career be formally diagnosed with a condition relating to mental health uh, over the course of their career and uh, any time, a sort of an undiagnosed situation um, will be affecting 62% of us at some point during our career that relates to mental health, whether it's diagnosed or not. So, so we're all moving up um, and down this continuum. You know, we all have times when things are going really smoothly, and then we all experience setbacks and experiences that maybe um, you know make us take a step back and have to take stock of who we are and maybe rethink things slightly so that's what today's session is really about and in the future you know next session we're going on to to move on slightly and and the session um, in the in the fourth quarter will be exploring how you know we can use our networks and and how we really you know um can build the types of relationships that help us not just um in terms of career progression, but also in terms of healthy relationships that help us manage all, all of this good stuff. Okay, thank you. So um, in terms of mental health, um, we you know we all experience stress. It's a big part of life. There's no getting away from that. Stress in itself is not a bad thing um, because it's it's stress that you know gets us out of bed in the morning, helps us achieve. Um, you know, if, if you were maybe setting a challenge for yourself of, of running um, a half marathon or, a, you know, a race of some description, you'd experience an element of stress. Um, if you were setting yourself a challenge, um, maybe you are about to ski a black room or something like that. I certainly would be feeling a little bit stressed, but that's kind of an excitement stress. Um, you know, sitting an exam, for example, is a good example where, you know, you might feel stressed, but actually it enhances your performance. But a definition of stress is anything that alters that sort of balance, that homeostasis. Um, so, so the positive stress we call eustress, it motivates us, it gets us out of bed in the morning and boosts performance. So, so when that kind of gets slightly out of kilter, um, you know, those days where, you know, the pressure is building, an acute stress starts to um, accumulate
0: Have we lost you, Kate? Kate, have we lost you? you
3: Am I there? Yes, you are. Yes, okay. (laughs) Sorry about that, everyone. Um, So, so moving on, uh, you know, we, we can manage acute stress. We can get ourselves back to homeostasis if we do the things that you've been talking about on the chat, like taking a walk, like making sure you have a lunch break. It's all those things that, you know, our self-awareness, we know what it is that we need to do to sort of self-manage ourselves back into, into homeostasis. Chronic stress is when that 's really getting out of hand, and suddenly it starts to feel overwhelming and that can build very, very quickly and that 's when the sleepless nights kick in, and those negative effects we 're not processing them quickly enough, the balance is not there and, and that 's you know really what this session is about it 's about recognizing what we can do to to ensure that that we do not get into that situation now obviously the last um 20 months or so have really thrown a curveball at us and you know we all dealt with stress previously and and now we're kind of thinking okay now we know what stress is wow you know it's been completely different so Gwen I think you want to share um something that's really yeah a
0: couple of things yeah so here on the on the left hand side of, of your screen you will see um, the life lessons of an individual who worked for a financial services organization, one of many stories um, that has been on social media and went viral and uh basically this person nearly um had a, a heart attack, survived, luckily, but had a heart attack. Um and this are uh, these are his six kind of life lessons and you know, I'm losing fifteen kilos, yeah, actually. Sometimes um, weight gain is is a massive stressor, particularly on women. <laughs> so um I just definitely would like to everyone to read these these lessons because I think it they are they affect everybody. Um, they just need to think about it, really. Why do, why do we do what we do? And that's really important. And also, I wanted to uh, take four seconds to talk about a, um, a gentleman that we met um, in the forums and attended quite a lot of our events called um, a gentleman called uh, Rody Thompson. And he used to work for MNG. and unfortunately, Rody chosen to end his life um, due to... Um, too much trouble and that's in the um, in the UK news and that's gone um, out uh, last week um, and you know it's it's one of those things that happen on a regular basis and clearly this forum is really to remind us that we don't want to go that far, uh, rest in peace Wadi, but it's about, it's really about for us to really think about why we do what we do and and really to take care of ourselves, that's really important and I just wanted to mention it.
3: Okay, so, you know, it it is this is why this stuff is vitally important. You know, as I said, we're all experiencing stress, but we can all take steps to ensure that we have more agency over our lives. So, you know, the types of the types of sources that we might be dealing with might be um, a lack of clarity over the role. You know, there's been ambiguity for all of us. Um, We're all adapting uh, relationships, you know, personal relationships and relationships of work have been put under pressure from you know the fact that we've all been working differently and now you know we're we're experiencing it because we're returning to the workplace and that can be a source of um discomfort for some you know there's that sort of how's how's this going to feel what's it going to be like after so many months of working you know at home and we all need to help each other through that so so that's you know Really, something I think we all need to be aware of is how do we support and reassure each other, and how do we look for those signals? Um, so, uh, the, the Caleb Dressel, I think he um was in the news over the course of the Tokyo Olympics, and uh, you know, he he brought to the fore that um, basically, we have to um, acknowledge that you know. Pressure is there, but don't let it turn to that negative stress. Do those things that mean that it doesn't, le- doesn't negatively impact your life and your potential to perform, most importantly. OK, so um, moving on now to think about the role of the COO. If we could have the next slide, please. Um, we know that, you know, the role of the COO um, is very broad. Uh, It's very um, kind of you're connected to many different parts of the organisation in many different ways. It's at the forefront of change. Um, It's very closely aligned to change management, um, driving conflicting priorities. There's so much going on. You know, you've got relationships with all different people within the organisation and you're providing leadership and judgment and I think over the course of the pandemic um the human capital nature of that has come very much to the fore you know the role is a role that continually evolves so I'd like to ask Peter um how have you felt that your role has evolved over the course of the last 20 or so months
1: um I, I guess the nature of how we've gone about our work has changed. Um, you know, we were thrust into the COVID situation um, and it's meant that we've had to think about adapting how we work. I think it's it's meant we've had to think about especially how we've had to adapt, interacting with each other. Um, you know, we're doing this Zoom call now. We use Blue Jeans at work. People use um, Teams or whatever they may use. I think um, it's been learning about how you how you maintain your communication i think that's been really important in terms of how we've adapted to how we work but then i think it's also um i think what's been amazing is that how well things like financial markets have adapted you know if you'd said two years ago that all your traders and salespeople would be working from home people would have said that's impossible and, and it happened very quickly and i think that's a testament to banking Um, and how adaptable it is. But then I think there are other changes over the last 18 months which have been going on regardless of COVID, things like the increase focused on cybersecurity, increased focus on digitisation, I think, uh, you know, artificial intelligence, automation, I think all of those move on regardless of what's going on uh, around us. So I guess there's, there's those two strands to it. Those, there's those changes that happened because of COVID. And I think other changes that are happen, happening because the world is moving quickly. And in fairness, COVID has moved the digitization of the world further on. You know, we've seen that with online deliveries. Um, you know, it, it's moved the world on materially from a digital perspective. And I think as COOs, we have to adapt to that and realize as institutions, we have to adapt to that much more quickly, maybe, than we intended to.
3: Okay. Um, can I ask Gary, do you have anything
1: to
2: add? What's yeah, your I'd, I'd absolutely echo some of the themes. I think, um, you know, over the past 18 months, and, and it goes with the nature of the role, right? I mean, the CEO role is, uh, can be quite nebulous at the best of times, but certainly all of our plans as, as a reasonably small entity went straight out the window last March. Uh, and a lot of the time uh, of the team uh, and me personally was spent trying to make sure that we had the resilience of the infrastructure and the connectivity and communication um, to, to keep connected to the markets and our clients and each other. Um I think since then, I agree, I think the industry's responded very well. I don't think there's anything that we're doing that's particularly effective. I think it's uh, it's been a shared experience across many of the, the buy side and sell side. Um, but, you know, specifically, uh, I think now that now things are maturing, and now that hybrid working models are uh, uh, really a, a demand from our, our workforce and our team, you know, I feel quite a lot of accountability in the CEO function to make sure that we can maintain and, and enhance, um, you know, the model. And for us, that means the technology for certain, it means the cyber threats, it means enhancing supervisory frameworks so we don't get regulatory pressure that we can't manage our teams and their conduct uh, under a hybrid model. Um, it also, you know, to, to Peter's point, we've got to keep the communication lines open. The, the COO is a, it's a very people-centric role. You, you need to be um, dealing with challenges head on, dealing with conflict head on and trying to resolve disputes. It's quite difficult in a remote working environment. And the other thing that I, I don't have the answer to, and uh, you know, I've been reading at a few of the forums, but trying to find a better way to deliver large-scale complex projects where you don't have that collaboration, where problem solving is not as easy as it is in a war room, um, you know, under the hybrid working arrangement. These are some of the challenges that we're, we're grappling with now. Because quite frankly, we, we lost some time um, responding to this threat. And there's things that we have to do in the prudential regulatory space and commercial that, that just need to get delivered uh, against deadlines that are, are not exactly moving in our favor. So that, that's what I would say the high, you know highlights of the past 18 months have been for our function.
0: You're right. And then, you know, it's 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 important to recognize we don't have all the answers, but we are we are creating that environment as we speak. I'm just gonna take a, pick a a question from the chat, which is for um for for, for, for for Gary or for Peter, whoever wants to go first. Have you found communicating and building relationships with your team easier or harder through the COVID period? Are you able to check with check in with your colleagues and has this changed the way mental health and well being is being spoken
1: about in your workplace and well, i'm happy to go first i i think it's harder i think we're social creatures um i think you know we're tactile creatures as well there's um you know there's there's a book being re- re- written recently about handshakes and how important handshakes are for instance um and actually how we transfer pheromones when we shake hands and, and we've lost that direct connection you you lose the um the body language and things you pick up without realizing it. Um I think as well, you know, we talk about the water cooler, the grabbing a coffee, that the the difference between a being able to grab a coffee and have a five minute chat and being able to arrange it and say to someone, have you got time? Can I put time in your diary? Um I do think it's been I think it's been much harder actually working from home and, and creating that connection together. But then I think some things have probably happened better. Um, I think Teams have been better at arranging group calls, at making sure there's group contact. I think, um, you know, I know at Standard Chartered, I think we've been better with town halls and we're communicating what's going on because people aren't in the office. Um, but, but, and people may have a different experience. But, but for me personally, um, I, think, I think the working from home aspect has made all sorts of communication much harder.
2: Yeah, I think from my perspective, uh, I definitely echo Peter's thoughts around the sort of COO space. It's just much easier um, to, uh, you know, get the, the benefit of drive-by discussions where you actually glean a lot more than you might anticipate. Uh, and, and the spontaneity just goes where everything becomes quite linear, orchestrated and, and transactional. I think for the CO function, that's just not the way we operate, and it's a challenge. I think if I look more broadly across markets, um, I find that some of the traders who are admittedly more desk-based, they've actually found that this would be quite beneficial. They feel more connected to the markets. They feel more connected regionally. And the regions have been you know, huge proponents of um, some of the video conferencing technology. Um, but I, I don't think these are long-term um, things that you can rely on under a, a full remote model. I think we quite need, we need to restore this balance mm-hmm. and, uh, and bring some of the human factor back to the workplace.
3: Thank you very much for that. Um, I think, you know, you, you've explained really well that, you know, the, the role of the COO hasn't changed, you know, it, it's very much about driving the issues that, um, I mean, that organisations run in the way that they should, you know, as you say, addressing digitisation, the challenges um, around cyber threat, security, etc. They're all still there. It's not just about managing kind of the human capital side of things. Um, but, kind of returning to when you're you're leading your teams um can you can you explain to me how you ensure that your team um how you observe your team and ensure that they're managing stress given the pandemic effectively that their mental health is on track is there are there any particular signals that you look for and how do you promote the well-being agenda um so peter can i start with you
1: yeah that's a big question and there's lots of answers to it. Um, I, I think you have to, you you made the comment earlier on about being transactional. And, you know, I had this conversation with my boss early on in COVID and I said, we're far too transactional in how we deal with other people and how we interact with other people. You know, we have regular catch ups, but how often do we say, how are you? So, you know, we're very much trying to extend the charter to make sure that we ask the question, how are you? We directly ask, how are you doing? And we listen to the answer. So I think it's important to make sure you have open lines of communication. I think it's important to be open and honest. And I think, you know, I've been very honest in my journey and my mental health story. And I hope that means that people find it easier to talk to me. Um, But we've done other things as a bank. We've got mental health first aiders. We've got about 150 globally now. Um, That's something we introduced in the UK six, seven years ago, um, which has been very successful. Um, and now that's a HR policy globally. So they're there for people to go to if they don't feel they can speak to their line managers. But then we've had line manager training as well. We're trying to um, help line managers to understand how to listen, um, you know, to know that they're not, they're not there as counsellors, but they're there to listen and hopefully direct where the support. We've got a very good employee assistance program that's been upgraded recently and that's global. So that applies to everyone everywhere. Um, we also um I sit on the I co-chair the um the UK and the financial markets, wellbeing, employee resource groups. Um so we arrange events. Um, you know, we we had an event around sleep. Um last year we we've had um events this year around um neurodiversity, around hidden disabilities. So it's about that communication as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and having those events where people can attend and hopefully learn more and understand more. But I think the key is just being open to listen. Um, And in terms of, you know, you said, what are the warning signs? I think it's anything that's different. Um, And I think that applies not just to your colleagues, but uh, people have asked me before about children and about friends. It's anything that's different. And one of the interesting things in the workplace is one of the real warning signs about mental health Uh, and mental health issues can be the quality of someone's work. So I think sometimes the first assumption is a good performer is underperforming, you know, why are they underperforming? And and, and sometimes I think the first question is, has anything gone wrong here? Are there any issues? Because often one of the first signs in a workplace um, is that someone who's formerly been a high performer is struggling, um, and and that should be a red flag to us that makes us ask more questions and, and see whether they need help.
3: Thank you. Um, Gary, is there anything that you particularly look out for?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think it does become harder, uh, you know, certainly in a a lockdown world, when everyone's on on Zoom or BlueJeans, et cetera, to detect some of the signals that you'd otherwise pick up in an office environment. That could be, um, you know, friction or or conflict uh, that you just overhear between one of your team and and somebody else. Um, It's very difficult to pick up on a screen. Um, so, so one of the things that we do, and again, I don't think we're particularly innovative. Obviously, we have team meetings. I have one-to-ones with everybody, not just the direct reports. It definitely has a more personal element to it than it has in the past. And I think that the team's been together for, for quite a while. We know each other well. We trust each other, and therefore, confidentiality is not in question. Uh, and I feel quite comfortable, um, you know, asking, you know, asking them some more um, maybe searching questions than I might otherwise have done before. Uh, and I do feel that people open up. Um the bank's obviously doing similar measures, I think, that, that Peter mentioned. Um, and, and we found quite a big uptake when we ran in last May at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, and maybe because people are getting more used to it or they're dealing with it in their own ways or we're finding group ways to cope with the stresses. Um, actually, when we ran similar sessions this May during Mental Health Week, the, the uptake was less, um, despite the fact that the, actually the content and the speakers that we had were, were excellent. Um, so I, we're, we're trying to work out through regular pulse surveys to just to check in and, and try and keep this, um, you know, it's, it's not just a week in May or, or a mental health day in October, it's trying to keep it uh, sort of constantly at the forefront uh, of people's attention and awareness, because I think we all have a lot to learn, uh, you know, in this space. Um, and finally, one of the things that did work particularly well, we invited uh, uh, Lewis Smith um, to talk about how he dealt with, with stress and then, then quite deep depression. Um, around the three Olympic games that he participated in and extremely well attended, uh, chaired by our, our head of compliance um, and, and really a chance for, for some of the, the comments he was making around how to trick his mind, but it only works in the short term and then leading into some, some longer term things where he's almost living a split persona, uh, you know, causing a lot of problems until he really gained control and took a focus on his mental well-being and started saying no to, to many things. Uh, and getting his life back on track. So I think that went down very well, and we'll look to do more of those. And
0: what you're saying, Gary? I mean, the, the saying "no" is an art, isn't it? So, uh, and and you have to choose what is important to you in your daily life. And is it yet another Zoom call, or is it sad time for yourself, or is it a bit of both? You've got to you've got to think about your capacity as well. There's a there's a a question in the chat that I find really really interesting because. Um Obviously, we have many, many pressure points and, and it is that time really stressful. The work is not going to go away. in fact, the work yeah. is going to go. and um and we still have to deliver and um We have a question here, which is if you are hit with cost targets, with growth targets and with constant pressure on the organization to do more with less, um how do you authentically portray to people that you care about their mental and physical health? What would be the standard chart answer?
1: What would be my answer? Um, well, I think they're contradictions at times. I, I don't think we've always got it right. It's the truth of it. This is something that's come up with us um, and questions people have asked. Um, now, we run a lot of well-being sessions with smaller groups, and, and I hear consistent messages of people struggling, people struggling with time, pre- pe- people struggling with demands. And some of that's about being out of the office, and some of that's about COVID. I think some of it's about the world's moving very fast and and... and I think often banks ask for more with less. Um, so I think they're contradictory to a degree. And I, and I think probably banks have to think, is that the right approach some, sometimes? Um, is it about prioritisation? I think sometimes it's we try to do too much um, and maybe it's doing um, doing less, but doing less that's important and making sure you focus on the key items. Um, and I think it's it's what you said there about telling people that, they should be saying no when it's too much. Um, they should be honest about that. And I think as as seniors, we have to think, um, you know, are, are we understaffed? Am I asking too much of my team? Do I need more people? Um, because I, I think there comes a point you can stretch the elastic band, but you have to be careful. Um, and so I, I think to be authentic with that question, I think you have to be honest to say we don't always get it right. And I, I think banking sometimes has to rethink things. Um, uh, and has to think. Sometimes you can't always keep stretching the elastic band. And um, Gary?
2: Yeah, I mean, on our side, look, I, I think it's a great question, and it's uh, it's very pertinent, and we're definitely living that. So we we're probably twenty five percent off our headcount high uh, in the last couple of years, and that you know that's coming alongside dealing with the pandemic, and it's dealing with a quite profound amount of sort of non discretionary change that we need to get through the organisation. So so in short. <laughs> Um, we need to sort of gravitate as a CEO function for a bunch of maybe who've been people pleasers in the past and be far more disciplined about prioritization and and acknowledging that there there can be a tendency uh, for people in the organization to create holes and it's the first line and mainly our team that's that's required to fill them. So we're quite quite protective about our perimeter and making sure that we're focused on impactful uh, value-add work um, but we don't say no, we're not Teflon, we don't say no without any justification, what we will do is we'll replay back prioritization, if necessary, we'll run the no's through governance, especially if it has a sort of regulatory tinge together uh, to, you know, to it, or it's not the decision is being considered at the wrong level of the organization. So we're quite, um, quite disciplined around that. And we recognize we've got a smaller team, everybody's under pressure. Um, and, and for us, it, it, again, is a, uh, getting a collective view of the value add that the team is bringing to the business. Uh, and communicating that to senior stakeholders and just escalating where we think that we're really pushing it. We're going from, from youth stress to stress to chronic stress. I don't really, I think it's inevitable that we end up with sprints and bursts where people are going to feel under a lot of pressure due to the work and perhaps the personal life as well. But if it's sustained, then you've got a resourcing problem or you've got a prioritization problem and you need to ask for investment or try and dial the scope back a bit. So we are trying to walk the walk on that
0: again back to the communication is it's it's about communicating with your with your peers and with your seniors also um there's also a question here i wanted to address to you and it's really because we're talking about career management really in this kind of if, if in this disrupted world um we don't really do the traditional face-to-face anymore um and everything is 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 digital and and therefore perhaps you think on the other side of the screen you're working really really hard but you don't necessarily get the recognition so you probably feel quite deflated by all the question is how do people get recognized there is the risk of non-recognition with smart work like sorry yeah. yeah i mean sorry i can jump
1: in there um i, I think people I, it's difficult there's a balance between self-promotion and and making Making your manager aware. But I, I do think that sometimes good deeds you have to let make people aware of them. I do think you have to share them. You know, as a manager you don't see everything you hope with your one-to-ones and you'll catch up with people. But I think it's really important that and, and you have to tease it out some people. Some people will tell you too much and they want to say how wonderful they are all, all the time. And other people will tell you very little, but you know in the background they just do as and they get it done. Now a good manager should pick up on that, but I think it's important for everyone with their career management to not be scared to say, look, I've done this. This has gone really well. You know, I just wanted you to be aware of this, but also to be honest. And I, I think as a manager, I want to hear, look, I did this and frankly, it didn't work. And, you know, and it was something we tried and, and it wasn't successful because actually that's just as interesting to me. And the fact someone's willing to experiment and something doesn't work is also a testament to them as an individual is really important. So I, I think there's a, there's a self responsibility to career manage as well um, and and to share that and and to make sure you communicate that
2: yeah you know i think on our side um you know there's uh people don't all you know don't often feel comfortable with that self-promotion part I, i do think that you know it is important and if there's mentorships or manager you know manager staff relationships i i do think that um it is it's always good counsel just to say look if you should be rewarding it you should be recognizing it and rewarding it, but there, there is going to be times where you've just got to say, look, you know, this is the brand, this is what I'm delivering, this is the value I'm adding. And, and our organization isn't always good at, at um, providing that feedback. I think this does sort of segue a bit into some of the productivity and measuring the output rather than the input of, of staff. And I know that that's uh, something that Armstrong Wolf mm-hmm. is uh, is facilitating. I think it's an interesting and important space, especially given given the hybrid model. But I do think that um, uh, part of the CO function, you know, what I find is that I've got to try and find the balance between saying, look, there's quite a large team, and, and here's you know 150 things we're doing. That's not management information; it doesn't help my boss. But I've got to keep him. I've make sure he's not blindsided, and make sure that he's got the right information he needs for decision making. And then the other 80% of it is going to have to come back to trust that's hopefully earned. And I would say that that's, that, that definitely goes down to um, you know the, the whole CO team here as well.
3: Thank you. I think, you know, there's there's some really interesting points that you raised there um, in terms of how do we communicate with each other? How do we, you know, manage our careers when we are all working remotely? And communication is definitely the key. And I I like your point, Peter, that, you know, it's not just about communicating what's going well. It's not just about kind of the positive messages. It's also about keeping the communication open Um, when you know the challenge is there and you're exploring ideas and you're trying things out because actually most progress is done just before you hit that spot you know when when everyone is kind of challenged and 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 figuring out and um, you know they call that in education the zone of proximal development that most learning is done when you're thinking I don't know the answer and then you think hang on a minute where are we what what is this and you know you you're figuring stuff out together so so that communication is really key and i think you know with that trust is trust is built and i think that fits in very nicely to the fact that you know everything else um, is it. the day job is still there everyone is dealing with the challenges of getting the job done in a pretty challenging environment let's face it Um, but, but equally, haven't we learned a lot? Uh, You know, the positive side of this is, aren't we all so much more um, aware, haven't we learned so much more about how we can work differently, Um, how we can communicate in, you know, these challenging times remotely, and it's not perfect, and nobody's saying, you know, that we, we, we're there, there's still an awful lot of lessons to be learned, but, you know as you said digitization we are so much further down um the road with that than perhaps we might have been i mean you know I, myself i i hold my hand up and say i'm a complete technophobe and i'm so much more astute now with at working with technology than than ever i would have thought i would have been um so so where do we go from here i think that's the question you know how do we look after ourselves and each other, and and how do we work to ensure that, you know, the the future as we do return to the workplace um, is is a healthy, positive one. And we can all communicate or we can all contribute to a culture um, that is healthy and helps us all move forward as individuals. And I think, you know, the key to that is very much about honesty and trust. And and with that, you know, we we then have we we feel comfortable in adapting and trying things out and doing things differently. And equally, if it doesn't work, that's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, we adjust our style of working, we try something else. So um, no, I mean, I think I also
0: wanted to point out we we run this um this for we have run this form last night with um our North American colleagues and we are at different stages in understanding mental health generally we have to admit to that but um there was one thing that one of the speakers said that really struck me it, she said um none of my colleagues knew i was a mother of three mm. well, that's mad as far as i'm concerned because this is a huge a huge part of her life and you know she she was a managing director senior female obviously i am a female i have i also have a family and it's really important to to think that you feel empowered to say to, to your boss and to your colleagues, actually, sometimes I can't do it because I have family commitment or caring commitment. And that's really important mm-hmm. that moving forward, we learn from this and think, actually, I can be honest and tr- transparent with my senior leaders or my colleagues because there are stresses in my life outside of work and I've got to be more open about it, which maybe as a, as a society or in financial services, we're not kind of used to saying.
3: Um, or opening up about our own personal selves. Absolutely, I, that's a really key point. You know, we have to we have to take responsibility for being authentic about ourselves and living by example. Because, as you know, as leaders, that actually enables other people to um, to do so. You know, live by example, um, and that way. Other people feel empowered to take control of uh, not not just their careers, but just their their day to day living schedule. Mm-hmm. Taking that time out for lunch, understanding that you know it, it it's okay to say uh, a family situation has to be a priority on this occasion, and and that way you know we we maintain that balance. It comes back to that homeostasis point. Um, and, and therefore, we are actually more effective in our careers and contribute more to our organisation. So it, it all actually fits together very well.
0: And a, a couple of questions for Gary and, um, and and for you, Peter. I mean, we've we've gone through this. We've been in this for what nearly two years now. Um, and uh, I just wanted to know whether you can share with us um, maybe one anecdotal point where you've really been affected by um by by obviously the, the the situation and 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 maybe one stressor that has affected you and how you've you've come about it and how have you managed it? Is it communication? Has it been taking time out? Has it been to be open and transparent? What what does it mean, please, if you want to share one example? Okay, well maybe I'll, I'll
2: take this one first. I mean I think um on my side, I've got a, an example. I think one of the participants was honest with for the journey, but we, we had a very difficult two-year period between 2018 2019, building a, building a physical energy capability, uh, a lot of conflict with the bank around our focus on that particular business at the expense of others. And then two days after we did the final phase, uh, there was a catastrophic risk event that promptly put us into, into resolution mode, um, recapitalization, uh, and it led to the, the attempted closure of two business lines Uh, And I had to make a third of my team redundant two weeks before Christmas. Um, At that particular point, given that you're going from the highs of delivering a high profile project to straight into a sort of existential threat to the organization and and some of the the stresses that that puts on all the bank uh, and the families. um, I find it quite difficult to get out of that um, sort of chronic stress state. I don't think for me it dipped into depression, but it was certainly a time that I was asking my, my manager for help. I'm trying to get some advice from human resources and and having to deal with the the, the worst part of the job is is calling people down from desks into rooms. In some cases, people, friends of mine I've worked with previously uh, and letting them go. Uh, And and for me, um, I don't know if I've got any answers about how to deal with the stress of that. What I did do is I tried to make it as personal as I could while keeping the, just on the right side of the corporate um, situation. I actually took one of them ahead of the day itself and just tried to play it out in my own way Um, I think you get more resilient from that. You get a bit harder. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. Um, But but what I do know is that, uh, you know, I don't think I'll go through a period like that again. Uh, And I'm quite, um, you know, quite empathetic uh, against seeing, you know, similar stress factors on the team. Because one thing that I didn't have throughout that was any external concerns with family or health or anything else. And that was hard enough. But I know that the team right now uh, is dealing quite a lot of stress bereavements, illness, etc., while operating under, you know, very difficult uh, and tight deadlines. And I think that balance that, that's the area, that, that's the area I'm very keen to try and, uh, you know, build that uh, communication, get ahead of things before they happen and understand that at the end of the day, you know, you've got to put your family first in these situations, but try and, you know, you know try and, uh, you know, communicate and then try and use the team to, to help get through it. Um, so that'll be my experience.
0: Thank you. Um, and Peter, I wanted to ask you from a frontline standpoint as well. Has there been any? Is
1: there? Do you want to share one example at all? Yeah. Well, I guess, I guess I'll have a more general example. But I just wanted to comment on um, what Gary said there about making people redundant, and you know, I've been involved in that historically before, and with traders, and um, I think we're very bad at giving support to the managers that have to deliver that message. We think about the people that are getting made redundant, but actually it's it's a very heavy burden on the person delivering the message um, I mean I know of someone who actually in a very different industry had to make a lot of people redundant and, and he committed suicide afterwards. It was so harrowing for him that he, he couldn't cope with it so I, I do think we need to think about that um, in terms of me in terms of um, of an example I, I guess it's more general there, there was a stage um last year when so many things piled up from so many directions and I wasn't prioritising well and I wasn't saying no, um, where it got to the stage I had to have a very open and honest with my boss and said, look, either you're going to get 70 80% of what needs to be done or or you're going to get nothing because I'm just going to end up breaking myself. Um, And so I had a very honest discussion with him and he he was very good about it. Um, But that was more general and that that wasn't a single event. It was just a number of things where... um, you know, I, I think we're we're all we're all in an industry where often everyone wants everything done yesterday, um, and and everything seems to come at once. Um, and I, I had to just be very honest and say, Look, there's, there's too much. I can't do all of it, um, and and I hate saying no to things, but um, I want you to be aware of this. So I, I think the the lesson for me there was was putting my hands up and saying that A I needed help, but B I couldn't cope with it at that time because it was just too much going on.
3: Thank you. Um, I think, you know, having had this discussion today, uh, you know, we've learned a lot, as I said at the beginning, you know, sharing stories is really powerful and we learn a lot from each other. I think, you know, Peter and Gary, thank you so much for taking the time to share with us um, your experiences and and what you've learned over the last, um, through your career and certainly over the last 20 or so months. Um, I think, you know, we are all going to be facing challenges moving forward. Um, we're returning to a different way of working. We've got a hybrid model that we've all got to explore, and um, you know. But we we are in a position where you know, from the experiences that we've had, we are more resilient. We've learned some lessons. We can take away how to do things differently. Um, so I think you know finally um, I think it's worth just remembering that um, as the slide says that it's so important to just be completely open and honest about who you are Um, the World Health Organization um, has a great definition of mental health that I think it's a good thing to to leave you with today it's a state of well-being in which every individual realizes his or her own potential and can cope with the normal. And I think the key here is normal stresses of life work productively and fruitfully and make a contribution to their community. And I think, you know, that, that feeling that you make, you're making a contribution making a difference it, is really important. Um, I think, you know, your organizations and in you Peter and Gary doing an awful lot to promote a culture of health and wellbeing for your colleagues And each other. And um, I think that's really, you know, the takeaway today, because I think if we're all in a better place and we can all communicate, support and reassure each other as we move into to whatever the next phase of um, our our working lives might be, um, we will all be happier. And as a result, we will all be performing better. And, um, you know, that's that's good for everyone in, in every way. So thank you. Thank you very much for your time today. And um, have a great weekend. Thank you.
0: I hope you enjoyed this session. Um, by all means, do send any feedback to us. It's really, really important and we learn also um, that we ensure that we that we we provide the programmes for you that are relevant to you. So by all means, do share any feedback or ideas moving forward. Um, I would like to also thank Gary and Peter for their uh, very honest um point of views and and for sharing um, in some of some information today on on the topic that we are clearly on a journey. I wanted to make sure that everyone take a bit of recovery time every single day away from the screen. Do Try and have a laugh. It's Friday. Um, Try and have a lovely weekend if you can. Do remember that being healthy is the new wealthy. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank yep. you.